anyway, we'll just come in today with this concept about love. And I use this all the time, all the time. And it's called love covers and love uncovers. So you'll find yourself more one way or the other. And some have never done but one of these. Like some people have never done it but just one of these ways. And it makes them very predictable. They have a pattern in their life. They're not hearing God. They're just doing it the way that they want to do it. Or some have uncovered when they should cover and cover when they should uncover. They have it opposite. So I'm going to challenge you that you've got to get this one right. you got to hear the Lord. And we're going to start out with a story that I'm sure no one else has used it for this particular reason. But in Genesis 9, 20 through 25, I just can't think about covering and uncovering without thinking about this story. It's the example of Noah and his sons. And it definitely gives you this idea. You can say that this kind of gives you an idea of what a true man of God needed from everyone. In Genesis 9, 20 through 25, it says, Noah was a man of the soil, and he proceeded to plant a vineyard. So when he drank some of his wine, he became drunk, and he laid uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Jephthah took a garment, laid it both on their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered his nakedness. And their faces turned away from him, so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from the wine, he knew his youngest son, what he had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. So that's where we're going to start on love covering or love uncovering. (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) You go in and take care of it, but Ham uncovers. And if you study what people say about Ham through history, it's a very unusual history of what takes place in this. So we're going to begin with the concept of covering. I would say love pulls the sheet over the disgraceful parts of life. This one screams for loyalty. It's covering up the poop. You know, I can't think of this example without thinking of something with my brother. But I come out to the ranch house, and there is my brother. And he has a water vac, and he has been vacuuming all the water out of the carpet on the first floor. He's done like 13 gallons of water, and he's been pouring them out. And when I come in, the house plants that were hooked hanging from the ceiling were dropping. And they were falling into the carpet, which was making a muddy mess. So they were dropping off the ceiling in my parents' bedroom. It looked like everything had let loose. My dad was roaring to know what had happened. And my brother told me, he whispered to me, What happened that morning, the water had been off in the house, and I turned it, what I thought was off. And instead, when the water came back on, my negligence was on full display. I had wrecked their bedroom. And my brother was working as hard as he could when my dad got home. My dad looked straight at him and said, What happened, son? And he looked at his dad and he said, The pipes burst in the wall. The covering that he did for me that day will never be forgotten. (laughs) He did not cover for me to never let my dad know. He wasn't covering my mistake, but he was giving me time to get there and explain what happened because he didn't know what had happened. 
and I learned something called Roddy Toddy Lefty Lucy. <laughs> and so to think that he had made it his business to get my sins in better condition and to give me time to at least explain to my dad that when I brushed my teeth that morning, um, there was no water and I had tightened it down really well and to see what was happening. And I can say that sometimes I think about love covers. And you wonder, who do you love? Who is that place in your life? You know, we had a girl on campus, and uh, something went wrong. And I couldn't believe how quick she called the dean to get her roommate kicked out of college before she had ever even talked to her roommate. You know, have you ever met that type of people? They tell everything they know. I mean, didn't even have a chance to let her roommate speak. She couldn't wait to get on that phone. Who can tell it the fastest? Who can be the one that spreads everything? You know, every little detail. You better be careful before God because a lot of times this comes out of being mad at somebody or being offended. And are we ever living in a time of offense? It's just like something is there to trigger every little piece. So they love to run and to say to them, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? And they start stirring up the strife, and they can hurt someone for life, unless that person knows what to do with the spirit of hurt. So I'm going to give you some verses on this that I've always enjoyed. In Proverbs 10, verse 12, these really speak deep love to me. It says, hate stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of transgression. Hate brings dissension, but love brings that which is harmonious. The realization that your speech that your words, that your talk has an effect on self and others. You know, it's a fuel. It can literally make someone hate someone else. You have the ability in life to fuel it. Hatred gets it really stirred up. Hate is promoting strife. You know, I've had people come to me, and through the years, they'll tell me the worst thing on themselves. And I know what they're asking. Can I be forgiven? Is there even a chance I can be forgiven? And so what people are looking at is, what is this inside of our heart? Can love cover a multitude of transgressions? You know, Proverbs seventeen nine: He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. I have some people that I know, and it's their anointing to separate friends. They feel like it's their job if they can get a wedge in there. I mean, they're just trying to get somebody to separate up. If it's a good friendship, the very fact that there's two people that are intimate friends, they want that divided. Proverbs 19.11, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. So a scenario is someone comes to you and says, I can't stand that person. If you hear somebody say, I can't stand that person, do you run and go tell the person? Or one person talking about another, do you run and go tell that person, hey, so-and-so's talking about you? You earned some brownie points because of the information? Was that person just venting? Were they trying to work through it and they were hoping you would say something? Like a lot of times people come to me and they tell me, oh my gosh, I can't take that person. And you know why they're coming to me? You know why they chose me? I'll say something to help them get past it. They're not coming to me because they think I'm going to help run them down. They know I'm going to give them some piece of information to help them get over it. So were they venting? Were they trying to work through it? Would it help anything if I said anything? 
Is it going to do any good? That's what I'm asking myself. If I go run and tell someone, hey, this person is talking against you, is it going to help anything if I said anything? If it is, bring it out in the open. Love covers. So my policy has always been when someone tells on themselves and they have that moment of where they tell the worst possible thing, if it's still harm that can happen from it, if there's still something that can go wrong, what I feel like that I'm supposed to do is encourage them and get them to tell on themselves, like to send them into it to speak on their own behalf. You know, that's the healthiest thing because it helps someone to have courage to do what they had to. You know, that's what my brother was letting me do. I'm going to buy you time until you can speak for yourself. You know, love covers wrongs. And it's the second half of this verse that's quoted the most, that love covers a multitude of transgression. But hatred towards each other will cause strife. It'll cause a mess. Loving each other is the only thing that will cover over the many wrongs that will happen in a group of people or between one another. Did you know that's one thing that protects the group? Love. Love puts a barrier around us. Do you think that we've had a perfect group? No. Do you think there's many wrongs? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's love. Loving towards one another will cover over many wrongs that can happen in a group, and that will happen in a group. Love will cover over many things that will happen in a family. It is not concealed and ignored and not dealt with. Because, see, I think with the way we look in America at love covers a transgression, I think we think it means the word cover up. (laughs) That means that we're going to just cover it up. So it's not concealed, it's not ignored, and it's not just dealt with. That would be like this girl that I knew that was raised here, and her sister would drive the truck while she did things in the back that still we can't speak of. That's cover up. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about love soaking through and covering a transgression. Those people are hard to find someone that will let their love cover a transgression, cover a sin. You know, in Judaism or in the Old Testament and biblically, we have this concept of covering of sin. And we normally think of what covers our sin? The blood. The blood will cover the sin. But in this context, that's not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about human-to-human relationships. It's talking about what's behind closed doors. You know, Psalm 32, verse 1, the second half of it said, Whose sin is covered. Blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. Blessed is he whose sin is covered. Because you're getting them to repent. You're getting them to get forgiven. Love covers it. Psalm 85, 2. You forgave the iniquity of your people and you covered all their sin. You helped them get the blood over it. You helped them get repentance over it. You are a friend to them if you can help them get it right with God. But what this is talking about is getting it right with each other, the covering of a sin. Romans 4, 7, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin are covered. So you're seeing a very strong biblical, and now one that we're pulling up in the New Testament where they're quoting the Old Testament of the covering over sin. You know, no man can stand 
if our sins were not able to be covered. There's no one that can make it. And so we see this covering. So it's something to be repented of, forgiven, and it's over, and it is no more. That God actually puts our sins as far as the east is from the west. But what's amazing is some people will not let their sins be taken by the Lord. They'll not repent of them. They don't even bring this up. But this is not what's being brought up here in this theology. Biblically, to cover sins in this capacity means you handle it behind closed doors. Isn't that interesting? When you talk about biblically to cover sin, we think of the blood will cover the sin. But this aspect is that we biblically handle the situation behind closed doors. Let me give you an example of this. Matthew 1, verse 19. What would we do in this situation? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, it's as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to put her away secretly. Now, I think this is interesting that he planned to put Mary away secretly because he was righteous. Uh, That's quite a leap in theology because the Old Testament says stone him. And before the angel has appeared to him, he's already made up his mind. What? I love her. I love her. And because he decided I love her, He decided, I will put her away secretly because he was a righteous man that believed God. He did not want to disgrace her. Was he brokenhearted? Yes. Was he confused? You better believe it. Did it make no sense to him? Was his plans and his ideas and his dreams and everything shattered? I bet he was thinking over everything, all the timelines, what could have gone down, how could this take place? But in the midst of it, he made up his mind, I'm not going to publicly disgrace her. I'm going to send her away. And yet he was so confused. He was so disheartened. This was something that was never going to change in his life. It was always going to be that something had happened to Mary. Someone had gotten to her first. Someone had wrecked her. She had been disloyal. She had not been faithful. You can imagine But love triumphed, and he said to himself, I'm not going to disgrace her. If you can't feel this scripture, maybe you've never loved. And it's in this context in verse 20 that when he had considered this, he was thinking on it. He was pondering, what am I going to do? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I bet Mary can say, I'm so thankful my husband had that dream. (laughs) That's the best visitation of an angel ever. For the angel to come and speak and say, look, you don't have to be mad at her. This is God's doing. Wow. Love covers You know, I was thinking of small things that don't matter quite as much, but you have a couple that you love, and they're in your home. And I was thinking about this when we lived over here, and maybe the couple has a lot of busy little kids, 
Growing up, all my college kids, there's a lot of things that happened while we had kids in our home. One of them, I lost my um, Song of the South music video. <laughs> and so all different things that the kids can do. And so there's some accidents and there's some breakables in your home. And what do you do when the kids are doing that? Well, you let the parents handle the accidents. The only time you intervene is if the child's going to hurt themselves. You let the parents make the boundaries because it's the role of love when you play the role of a host. Love covers many children. In fact, I never mentioned things that I would find broken. Was the reason good manners? No, love covers. Everyone loves the stuff in their home, but they love the family that's visiting them more. They couldn't make themselves mention the accident. You know, no covering. This is different. Someone that is concerned about their personal rights, they'll press the issue. The less love, the more personal rights. If you're a person that demands your personal rights, you've never taken the baptism of love. A lesser love. There is a less love and therefore a less covering. So if you have less love for someone, you have less covering. Love is so strong that accidents don't matter. But let's turn it around for a minute. Love. You break something in someone else's house and you don't tell them. You don't fix it. Then you don't love them. You love yourself more. <laughs> I don't even want to get into people that uh, pilfer. <laughs> but when we had our house open to college kids every week, it was shocking what happened in our house. We had somebody that was slipping uh, glass down in our garbage disposal and pennies. Every week they were putting it in there. They would booby trap different things. They were like, someone is not really enjoying this Bible study as much <laughs> as we thought. So you would have people that they have a different motive. So love, love covers. Now I'm going to give you the verse in the New Testament. And this is the way I love seeing it. But 1 Peter 4, 8, Peter is talking about the end times. And he says, the end is very near. And he tells you, be sober. And he says in verse 8, of all things for him to tell you at the end, he said, love each other deeply. Love deeply. And the reason he gives to love deeply is because he said love covers a multitude of transgressions. Peter makes it harmonious with forgiveness. He makes the fact that if you love deeply, that love covers a multitude of transgressions. You see him, you know, dovetailing that in with forgiveness. And when Peter wrote this, I can't help but think that he's thinking about that day he asked Jesus. Um, Jesus, if they keep doing the same thing to me, how many times do I have to forgive them? <laughs> and Jesus gives him such a large math, he just gives up trying to count it. And so when he's getting older in his life, he's saying, love deeply for it will cover this multitude of transgressions. When he was young, he wanted to fight. When he got older, he realized you must love. You know, to have friendship and fellowship, you have to be prepared to forgive. Love is blind. You know, we've talked about the blindness of love. Hearts light up, heads shut down. Love is blind. It's kind of like mush. My dad, anytime something like that would come on TV, he'd go, oh, mush. And our stomach would just turn over, ooey, gooey, mush. And I was like so embarrassed. But with dating, 
the testing time, eyes wide open. Some of the things you overlook, it's scary, don't you see that? But you can't overlook the character issues. It's a love to the woman. You can't be the one that hides him under your petticoat. Yeah, they talked about they hide the guy under the petticoat to the man. Do you want her for the mother of your children? You've got to think in terms of what are you getting into? What kind of person? You're looking at character. Character to be that mother. Character for them to be that man. Love needs to be 20-20 before marriage. And then it has to let the fuzzy eyes after marriage where you literally are letting love cover. You know, in the positive, the love is more important than the faults. The degrees of love and the degrees of covering. The love that Peter has in mind here is not a warm feeling, but a fierce love. It's the kind of love that we have to have to make it to the end. You know, it talks about, and this is the thing where we talk about after marriage, but in Proverbs 31, 11, it says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. It has to be built on trust. That's why character does matter. Because you're building that trust. You're trusting each other with your biggest vulnerabilities. It can kill you. It can smother you. You're giving your intimacy and the secrets of your heart. And you're giving the most important thing. Back rubs. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage, a certain blindness to him or to her, her to him, where it forgets something, where it lets it go. Because what tends to take place in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love doesn't take record. Love doesn't make a history. It's actually an accounting term that love doesn't keep record of all the wrongs. If you start record keeping, you will lose your love. I'm not saying don't deal with patterns. I'm not saying that generational curses don't need to be broken, but I'm saying you'll kill something inside of you if you keep a record of their wrongs. So that's why it's so important to find that person, to be that person, and to love like that in our group. You have to go into it where you let your heart love. To have a husband or a wife, you have to be prepared to forgive. That's why I watch what happens after a breakup because a lot of times there's two or three good breakups before someone marries. <laughs> like sometimes you've got to have a little conflict in there and see how they get through it. So during that time, you've got to be prepared to forgive, to get past that pressure. One expects it, but doesn't give it. I think everybody expects to be forgiven. They ought to forgive me of that. <laughs> but nobody wants to let go of the blame. Proverbs eleven thirteen, He who goes about as a tattletale reveals secrets. He who runs around and goes about as a tattletale reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Have you ever had the Lord tell you conceal it? Or do you want to wreck it and run it? I think it's interesting that Solomon hits on this. You know, it's okay to have secrets. It's not secrets for sin. It's, you're not hiding behind something. You have secrets of the heart. 
They're secrets of things that you share only between your most trusted people. That's why even when Jesus spoke to the crowds of thousands, then he would limit it to the 70, and then he would work it down to the 12 and tell them it's only for you guys, the 12. And then he would take it and only give some things to the three. It's okay to have secrets. If I have secrets with you, I have intimacy with you. And there are people constantly trying to violate those secrets. They're constantly trying to get to those secrets and blow up relationships. But the Bible clearly tells you here, they're only a tattletale if they reveal the secrets. But they're trustworthy if they can conceal a matter. It takes maturity to do this. This is not teenage stuff. This is literally where you have something in you where you know how to deeply love. You know, I work very hard to make peace between people when it's stupid stuff that doesn't matter. That literally, I hate it to see people having their relationships break up over something where the enemy just got in there and stole from them, where their thoughts were not telling them the truth. It is a gift from God to be a peacemaker. You know what I'd do to you? If I hear someone say something good about you, I can't wait to repeat it. How are you with secrets? In Genesis 9, 24 and 25, you look at this thing of Noah, and he exposed his dad. His dad was compromised. Ham didn't use respect. He rejected. The relationship requires this kind of love. Noah has just saved the earth. (laughs) It's been his whole life. He's built the ark. And so there's a part of no looking. Now, I want to give you some words here. Listen to this. How about recasting of creation? The Noah story is like it recasts the original Genesis story. Think of this. Noah eats of the orchard, and he becomes naked, just like in Genesis. He eats of it and becomes naked. Ham goes and tells the others. Uh, The other two sons covered him without looking. They take care of the problem. They covered and they backed out graciously. There's a real art to covering. Adam ate and became naked, and God covered him with animal skins. These are two types of groups, those who cover and those who don't. Now, love covers. We're going to move to love uncovers. Pull the sheets off. This one screams for truth, but no one wants sterile truth with no love. In Ephesians 5.11, it says the nature of light itself exposes. God is light, and when we get near him, it lights us up. And there's very much an exposing message here. Out in the sun, you see more of the imperfections. You see the pimples, the wrinkles, the hair growing in funny places. I can't tell you how many of you tell me, They had hair growing out their ears. (laughs) It's the nose hairs that really get you. You see things out in the sunlight that you don't see anywhere else. Things exposed to the light. You know, I remember my brother's first sermon. We were out at the lake. I don't remember the occasion, but we had gotten our youth group together. It really was that expression that I think is way overused, but the kids that were in this youth group They did look like a deer caught in the headlights, the look on their face. And maybe it's because it's the way he preached. We were totally in the dark. We were sitting in a circle, 
And he began preaching and preaching the Bible. And he had a flashlight that he was using to read it. But he says, some of you, you act one way in church and you act like so much that you love the Lord. But he says, you cuss when you're away from everyone. You cuss like there's no God. And the person found the light in their face. So he would point to whichever kid. He never called their name. He just put the flashlight in their face. He went to the next girl and he says, the way that you live your life, it's totally, he said, it's like vanity. And he puts the light in her face. The kids were appalled. There was not one person not named and mentioned. He never ever said uh, who was who, but everybody suddenly was lit up by the power of God. No one ever forgot that sermon. We didn't even know Bill was counting our sins that day. The light was offensive in our faces, and he lit us up. And there wasn't one thing he did or one person he lit up that it wasn't true about him. (laughs) And these were his good friends. (laughs) These were the guys he ran around with. There has to be a healthy amount of family honesty. In our family, we always knew what was happening to each other. And I never liked it when I watched my brother get a spanking. Man, my dad could make those licks count. Oh, it was hard to watch him get that spanking. It hurt me as I heard his licks You know, they didn't call this gossiping to tell it like it happened. And there's a family honesty. There is a family honesty that has to take place in the kingdom. The Bible's written that way. It's written with honesty. Very honest about Abraham's triumphs and very honest about Abraham's sins and failures. The Bible is startlingly honest. Even the heroes... It tells you about their good points and their bad examples. It's family honesty. You know, it kind of surprised me that they didn't keep this thing among the twelve. But the writers of the gospel, they didn't hide Peter's three times denial. In fact, you can go to Israel today, and they built a big statue (laughs) of Peter denying Christ with the rooster right above him crowing. And I thought, how terrible if there were statues built over my sin. (laughs) They said they felt like it happened right there. I thought Peter probably looks down from heaven. And, you know, God may have forgotten his sins, but the Jews have not forgotten it. There is so much freedom to getting it out in the open. You know, Proverbs 17, 15, this is the problem that happens It's when people get it mixed up, they call wrong, right, and right, wrong. It's really going to be the downfall of the last days. That people can't get it straight what's right and what's wrong. Love is not a hiding for sin. Don't get caught up in hiding sin. That's not the kind of thing between siblings. In fact, to get the wrong right and the right wrong is an abomination That's the worst word, even the way it comes out of your mouth. Say abomination. It's right next to damnation. (laughs) It just sounds terrible. It's a terrible sounding word. But that's how he describes get your wrongs right and your rights wrong. You know, I think through my life and some of the mistakes that I've made is that people have done things and I've hit it. 
And I think it through, and I think if I'd gone to the right people, if I'd gone to those that were mature, if I'd gone to certain people, I could have exposed it, and I could have made for peace. You know, there were times that people, they crossed a line, and they were begging for a whipping. Have you ever seen that in a person? They're hoping to get caught. They want to get exposed. In fact, it doesn't even feel like love to them if they're not. They're like the kids that come through here and say, my parents knew I was doing it, but they didn't even care. There's something in you that at times you're just hoping that you get caught. And maybe those are some of the cases where I've taken it and I've hidden it and I didn't expose it and I don't like the fruit of it. So there is a time that I can't let wrong be right and right be wrong. We're better than that. Luke 12, 2 through 3, it says that part of what's going to happen in the days that we live in is that it's going to be shouted from the roof. You know, it sounds like a gangster or a teenager. You know, he blew my cover. There are times love is tough, and it does the tough thing. And love doesn't always take my side. Sometimes I have to go get someone to turn themselves in. You know, I remember the night that those people came to our house and the guy brought his wife by gunpoint. And after a tremendous deliverance, and both of them got help, my dad said, I'll go with you down to the sheriff's department. And they turned themselves in. And they were so happy that it had worked out so well and they could tell the peace on the couple. And I found out they're still married to this day. That they did it on their terms. There wasn't a lack of loyalty but it made for peace. That the way that you live your life right can help people get their stuff right to make for peace in their life. Well, sometimes you gotta help it a little bit and blow it up. We were in college up in Oklahoma. We had the sister wing and the brother wing. A lot of times we'd do retreats together and it became very close, these two different groups of people. And so my brother was hanging around with a group of guys. And they were Christian, and they were even what you would call uh, uh, spirit-filled Christians. The problem with these guys, though, they came from wealth. I'm talking about they owned the orange groves in Florida. Each one of their daddies owned quite a bit. They were at a Christian college, and just going to a Christian college, they felt like that that would um, make them better. But honestly, my brother had a harder time up there with these guys that were rich than he did here at Howard Payne, making his friends. And what happened is a lot of complacency came on those guys together. They didn't pay any price for their relationship with the Lord. They took it for granted. And it was shocking to me to see what second-generation Christians were doing. Some of the most famous celebrities in the U.S. were sending their kids there. I still to this day know many of the kids. So my brother was with this group of guys. And we shared a class together. It was unique. It was a Bible class. As I was sitting there, suddenly the person that was preaching said something that was so profound that I thought, oh, my brother would love that. You know, like when we were at Hired Pain together and we were doing chapel together, it would, you know, we really enjoyed being together and hearing the word together. So I looked down the row to see what Bill was doing because I thought, wow, he really needed to hear that. And I looked... My brother wasn't in there, but yet I'd seen my brother's name on the uh, sign-in sheet as it went by. And then I looked for our entire guy's dorm, brother wing, and all those guys my brother hung with, 
none of them were in there, but all their names had been on the roll. Because in these size college classes, there's a lot of people in there. And so I realized that chapel really didn't mean anything to them. They were skipping class and they were signing each other in. My brother and I had been involved in a very intense prank war. And you just can't be deterred that when Bill needs to be in a meeting, I can't just let this slide by me. What ended up happening is I had a friend that worked in the department of the dean of men of the school. So we topped up a letterhead, we typed up an envelope, and we printed them. And so we went down the roll of every single guy, and we wrote a letter from the Dean of Men, and we put one in everybody's box. And it says, uh, because we've noticed your name on the sign-in sheet and you're not attending, that I need to see you immediately in my office. And so my girlfriends were more than happy to get our brother wing. And so we carefully gave them 15-minute increments between each other. And they said, one girl was down there watching what took place. And she said, you're not going to believe it. She goes, our brother wing is lined up down there. And they said, one will go in and they come out so confused. And the dean of men said he had never had such revival down there of repentance because one by one, the guy was coming in telling them what they had done. There was one little problem. I decided not to put Bill's name on the list. So we had the whole brother wing, but my brother, because I thought if they go, he'll go to class. But nary had I had a thought that when his name wasn't on there, they all thought he had written the letter. So it was even better. Than <laughs> so all the guys were killing him. They said, there's no way it wasn't you because you're the one that didn't get a letter. All were in the class for the rest of the semester. So when I would look down and see my brother, we would look and see. Did you know it was years after college where we were telling each other, did you know when this happened to you, that was me? Did you know when this happened to you, that was me? I mean, we had set up girlfriends for him to meet. I mean, one time I was down in the fishbowl consoling him that this girl had stood him up. And of course, we had written the letter. I mean, we were constantly doing those things. So sometimes you've got to expose someone and help them out a little bit. If they need to be in college class, I told you, don't nag. As women, don't nag. Get even. <laughs> there are fun ways to enjoy your life. The very nature of love exposes. Bill and I had lots of lives. Proverbs 27, 6, it is better to have the pain from a friend than the affection from an enemy. Better of the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Do your friends always agree with you? They're not true friends. Friends bring to light things for your own good. Love exposes. Love exposes things between men and women. It exposes hearts and motives, inclinations. Love exposes. You know, in singleness, you can have a lot of hidden selfishness. But when you start dating, it brings it out. You'll be shocked what you find inside of people when you start dating them. It's amazing that relationships bring out funny things. We were talking about one girl. We were like, she didn't even seem fearful until she began dating someone. And then you could see it exposed all the fear in her for some reason. She seemed like this person that was never afraid. Why? There's something about iron sharpening iron. 
and it starts rubbing your faults and you see the friction. You know, this is the worst statement you can say in marriage. I know she's wrong, but I would never correct my wife. Hello, Ahab. <laughs> you married her. She's asking you to leave the ministry. She's damaging the children. She's doing all kinds of things, and you're a partaker because you will not do the biblical thing of correcting your wife. Negative. The love is more important to you than the faults. What you compromise to keep, you'll lose. If you go through it and you hang on and you just let the faults come, they'll keep building until one day nobody can recognize them. Now, do you have to be skillful to do it? Yes. Do you have to have a way to, to help them see it by keeping the love on? Yes. I always thought my dad was a genius. I'll never forget the time that he told Bill and I, hold your mother down. I'm going to brush her teeth with my toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> he had found her weakness. <laughs> she gags more than any person I know. We thought, what great fun that my dad has created for us tonight. <laughs> hold your mother down still. And he is just singing and brushing away. I don't know what she had done. <laughs> Love is compromise. Let's just say you get into the lust of the flesh and dating, but you get into fear of the flesh and marriage, and you don't do what you've got to do. You're a stewardship of that person. It exposes. Let me tell you, if you want to know a time that love for sure needs to expose something, it's when you're in blatant hypocrisy. You don't count in your own mercy and forgiveness. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do want to just look at these verses right here. I'm going to just take a portion of this because you know the parable. But I don't know if you've really paid attention to these verses, but in Matthew 18, verse 25, it's the parable of the guy who was forgiven a debt. And it starts in verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that the guy who owed him money, that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Well, if we had debt collection like that now, have you ever heard of such a thing? And Jesus relates this to God. I was thinking on this part, he and his wife and his children and all that he had, did you know that when you don't get this right, it affects you, your wife, your children, and all that you have? And so the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. And so the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Now, it could have ended there. That could have been the end, because that is God's graciousness to all of us. When we ask him, please cancel the debt. But it's this part that we're not applying. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him, and he began to choke him. He said, pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant he fell to his knees and he begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now 31's the verse that I wanted you to see. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told the master everything that had happened. So they told up. This is love exposing. And the one thing people can't take is hypocrisy. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. 
And so many times we are taking mercy that God gives us as deserved, and then we hang someone for the exact same thing. If you've come through a hard time, you've got to have mercy on a person. Then the master called the servant in. His tone was a little different this time. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Do you realize that God having mercy on you is that what he expects is that you do it down the line? Don't you understand? If you are hard-hearted here, God help you. I have gone into rages with my kids because I have forgiven them of horrible things and then been shocked and horrified where they will not forgive someone else. I don't get it. I do not know how you could be grateful for what God has done for you and be judgmental and hard-hearted when it comes to someone else. Shouldn't you have had mercy just as I had on you? In verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. And right here, Jesus could have stopped here because we know the mercy of God. He hands him over to the jailers. Listen to this, to be tortured until he should pay it all back. I didn't know torturing helped you get your money paid back. But you are turned over to the torturers, and people are being eaten up now with bitterness, hatred, strife, unforgiveness, offense. This is serious. And I don't see any Christian saying, I need to forgive. I don't get why people are not saying, okay, you did this to me, I forgive you. We were talking about it. It would solve the racial issues if both sides would say, I forgive you. It would solve the problems that we're having right now with people. If they even thought about the idea of, okay, I forgive. I don't know how they're not thinking I've been forgiven of so much. Why shouldn't I forgive? That's easy. Just forgive it. Let's go on. It's serious deceiving the one who loves you. It's serious to have no mercy for the very things you're doing. Psalm 3510 has a different sound to it than the other. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out. For they are rebellious against you. Rebellion. See, multitude of transgressions sounds different in this verse. Ezekiel 28:18. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you have profaned your sanctuaries, therefore have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I've turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. Do you know who this is prophesying about? The multitude of your iniquities. See, our iniquities go one or two ways. They're either covered by love or they're covered by judgment. Hebrews 12:6. This is the one on exposure. You see, correction is love. Thank you for being someone that confronts me. I love discipline. I love truth. This is a group who has learned to love to be confronted. God never lets us get away with anything because the mercy of God gets us caught. I let someone who really loves me correct me. And then you get to the point that you really like it. You know, when I was young, I growing up in high school, and I couldn't confront anyone you couldn't have paid me to confront anyone. In fact, Bill and I used to laugh. My brother and I used to laugh that when we were young, we would go over and while my mom and dad were having Bible study, we were being tortured in the back room. 
And the kids just were very intimidating kids. They grabbed me one night, and the girl got me, and she had a some kind of an instrument that holds a lot of pins like you used to sew with, those sharp pins, and she stabbed it in my leg. Well, every time I was having to go in there with my brother, because they would play cards with him, they would cheat, and when he lost, they would make him chew the card and swallow it. And when he would spit it out, they would come hold me down and start bending my arm to put the card back inside of his mouth so he could finish chewing. We never said a word. We're friends with these people to this day. <laughs> They're in offices, <laughs> coaches. <laughs> you see people do things, and you never say anything to anyone, especially to them. You're shy. It just didn't seem like love to tattle for us. We decided we weren't the type of kids that had to go get our parents to make our things right. So as I grew up, I had none of this in me, no confrontation in my relationship. But this verse began to change my mind, and I started seeing that when God loves us, he disciplines us and he corrects us. And this verse made me see it as love, and it gave me the power to do it. So then as a Bible study group, I decided to start discipling people that this was a group who came through who loved to be corrected and loved correction. I can make a list of things that people have loved to be corrected on. Some of them are like, thank you for telling me about how I lie, about my lying, about my selfishness, about this, things that they had never seen in their life. Honestly, relationships require this kind of love. Listen to how James says it, James 5 verse 20. My brethren, if any of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This combines them both, correction and getting your sins covered. My dad said, since it's not clear on this, you may be saving that sinner from a multitude of sins. Like some people owe me a lot because I used to go to the prison and I'd preach so those guys would repent. And I saved some people a lot of grief because they were robbers, rapists, and murderers. And I saved them from a multitude of sins. And Dad said, maybe it means it saves you from a multitude of sins, that if you save a sinner, it counts on your behalf. Sometimes it's just getting the courage up to tell someone the truth, not telling others, but the person the truth about themselves. So ask yourself, in conclusion, as we think over these things, which one do you most lean towards? You know, in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, you see a split in the way that Jesus says, when you see someone in sin, you confront them. One is you try to handle it privately, one-on-one. -on -one. You've been after that person, but they're not listening. Two, you blow them up a little. Then you blow them up a little more, and then you blow them up real big. Your motive is to win your brother. You're warning them. Watchman Nee said this about carnal Christians. They comfort someone when they should warn them, and they rebuke someone when they should have mercy. And unfortunately, I would say this is almost everyone I know, is they comfort them, soulish compassion, when they should be warning them. And they rebuke them harshly when they should have mercy. Covering, uncovering. We used to get in a small room over here at my house, and we would tell this story till we could not quit laughing. 
It was the craziest story, and we loved this story. As we got in the room, we'd all say, come in, it's a safe place. And this is something that happened to someone that I know. And it's a love exposes, or otherwise. Well, when he would tell it, people would laugh till they could not see straight. But they were college ministers, and everybody in the room, they couldn't even imagine it. They were thankful it, it didn't happen to them. But anyway, what happened to these college, they were a married couple, and they locked their house down to have some time alone. And so they locked the front door, and they locked the back door. And they locked it down really good. They sealed all the windows and all the doors. But all of a sudden, they were up in the bedroom, and they started thinking, there's no way that we're hearing one of our college students in the house. Sure enough, a college student broke in. Suspicious why the house was locked, she thought it was her duty to break into the house. Now, she's not allowed in the house, nor does she have keys in the house. So she is walking from room to room. She has a very distinct pattern to the way she walked. This person, they were clump, 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 clump. They just had a very distinct walk. Clump, clump. Clump, clump, clump. The wife whispered to the husband. The husband says, should I get my gun? Should I scream? What should I do? Well, the wife whispers to him and says, no way will she come into the bedroom. The bedroom door is locked. Sure enough, clump, 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 clump. As she has finished searching the downstairs, clump, clump, she starts the stairs up to the bedroom. Clump, clump, twist the bedroom doorknob. She twists the doorknob. This couple, they're watching the doorknob. Clump, clump, the husband whispers to the wife, well, at least she'll go away now. The door's locked. They said they were expecting her to go down the stairs, but instead she knows another way into the bedroom. Clump, clump, she goes through the office. Clump, clump, she goes through the side bedroom. Clump, clump, she opens the door. By now, the couple is hiding under the bedspread. Clump, clump, what is she going to do? She walks over and pulls the covers back to see who it is. She sees the legs are hairy, but she knows the husband is not due home. So she has to take this into her own hands. The husband was not supposed to come home till later that weekend. She runs away. The husband had come home a day early. Clump, clump. Clump, clump. If I could ever say there are some people that should expose <laughs> when they cover... <laughs> And for those that, that should cover and they expose, this person had the knack of being able to get it wrong every single time. Covers <laughs> and uncovers. The group you run with covers and covers, and they get more away from God. That's a problem. You better examine the fruit. Rebuke and expose, and anyone who gets in their way, they tear them to shreds. This is what comes out of clump, clump. 
and no ability to discern God. Well, can you let these two ideals live in the same park, in the same place? Is there a veil that needs to cover, or do you need to rip back the covers? You know, there's rules for distinguishing when to use what. What kind of guidelines would you make? Would you say what's good for them, for the person? A hearing issue? You never pull your love off the person, push them away. Sometimes it's hard to understand the way they think, and sometimes they're flat under a demonic spirit. Sometimes it's a matter of just loving the quirkiness. Weigh it out. Timing. There's things that will destroy them later. You've got to get them to the right people. Can you apply both of these in a relationship? People who only do one of these is dangerous. People who only expose or only cover. What should I do? Ask love. What would love do? Happy Valentine. <laughs>